praise the Lord with a new song, and God's put a new song in our hearts, so it's good to keep learning new things. Well, as you may have guessed from the first couple scriptures, which touched on the theme of wisdom, today I'm going to be talking about Solomon and what does wise living look like? So I want to ask you, who or what comes to mind for you first when you hear the word wisdom? Who or what comes to mind for you? If I were to ask you to write down a definition to define the word wise, what would you say? You might say responding sensibly or shrewdly to a particular situation or demonstrating good judgment and discernment. Wisdom is more than knowledge. It's more than experience. Wisdom is knowledge applied to life. Do you know anyone who you consider wise in your circle of relationship? And I don't mean someone who has a lot of knowledge about a particular subject. I don't mean someone who necessarily has a lot of educational degrees. Do you know someone who is wise? And if your answer to that question would be yes, what is it about someone's life that causes you to reach that conclusion? What causes you to think that person is wise? A person in the Bible some people associate with wisdom or being wise is Solomon. And the story of his reign, we're not ready for the scripture for a bit yet, a per- <laughs> Solomon is associated with wisdom, and the story of his reign as king is found in the book of 1 Kings. Now, next month, we're going to turn to a section of the Hebrew Bible that's known as the wisdom literature, and the wisdom literature includes books like Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and those latter two books are associated with Solomon. And while some people think of the wisdom of Solomon, the truth is he made a lot of unwise decisions. And today we're going to look briefly at his life from the book of 1 Kings and we're going to see the consequences of choosing wisely or choosing poorly. And the reality of life is the greater, the more power, authority, or responsibility a person has the greater the impact of making wise or foolish decisions. Choosing wisely or foolishly can make or break a life, a family, a business, a church, an organization, even a nation. And I suspect most of us, given the choice, would rather be known for being wise than being a fool. Most people, I'm guessing. And that's why it's wise to learn from the mistakes of the people who have lived before us so we don't repeat them. So the book of the Bible we're in, if you're a guest or watching for the first time, we are journeying through all 66 books of the Bible. And the book of the Bible we're in today is 1 Kings. And it's about, shockingly, kings and political history. From King David and then the enthronement and reign of King Solomon, 
all the way through the reigns of the terrible king Ahab in Israel, which is the northern kingdom, and Jehoshaphat. Yes, there is someone named Jehoshaphat, and he's the king of Judah in the south. And while the subject of 1 Kings is political history, the theme is moral and religious failure. Moral and religious failure that led to the loss of national identity, the loss of freedom. And each king in the book is evaluated by how well or how poorly he put God first and oversaw God's temple and worship in Jerusalem. Unfortunately, they all tend to do very poorly. So, political and social turmoil, national defeat, result from these failures. And 1 Kings spends the most time telling the story of Solomon, Solomon's glory and then his subsequent downfall that came from failing to obey and follow the God of Israel. And this leads to a divided nation that splits into two weaker kingdoms and each falls even further away from God's ways. And it's only the voice of prophets like Elijah and a few others who continue to emphasize the importance of being fully devoted first to God alone. So the setting for today's scripture from 1 Kings, it's an unsettled time of political turmoil within the nation, and while that's going on, there are threats at the borders. And before King David dies, two of his sons, Adonijah and Solomon, are both working the angles politically, militarily, spiritually, trying to position themselves to be next on the throne. Solomon and his supporters, including his mother Bathsheba, the prophet Nathan, the priest Zadok, they win the approval of King David. And in a classic case of be careful what you wish for, you just might get it, after receiving his father's blessing, all of a sudden the weight of leading a nation began to press on Solomon's young shoulders. And it's not surprising that all of a sudden, he's having a little trouble sleeping soundly. And he has a dream. Listen to 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people 
of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all in his court. This is God's word for us for today. In Solomon's dream, God asked, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine God asking you that question? If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask God for? Think about that for a moment. You could ask God for anything. What would you ask God for? You might wish for an endless supply of the very best food for the rest of your life. Or to be married to someone you love and desire who would love and desire you. You might ask to be rich or powerful or artistic or musical or athletic or articulate or attractive or successful. You might ask to be an instrument of change. You might ask to accomplish something important, to make the world a better place. You might ask to go down in history and always be remembered. Perhaps you'd wish for something for someone other than yourself, for someone's health or life who is sick or maybe even has already died. I mean, the choices are endless, right? You could ask God for anything. Solomon has this dream, and in the dream, he gets that question. What an opportunity. What a responsibility, what a risk, what a risk, because what you would ask God for is very telling, isn't it? It reveals your value system, and God notes that Solomon doesn't ask for long life, he doesn't ask for wealth, he doesn't ask for power or the death of his enemies, perhaps because he's already killed a number of them motivating others to flee the country. If you want to be a little cynical, you could say Solomon doesn't ask for any of those things because he's already got wealth, he's already got power, he's killed a number of his enemies, and he's not planning on going anywhere anytime soon, so he doesn't ask for any of those. And as nasty and negative and depressing as politics are in our country today, and they're horrendous, we're at least not yet as bad 
as what Solomon was involved with when he came to power. His father David, on his deathbed, tells his son to kill two people, to avenge two old wrongs or hurts that David perceives. And one of those two people is David's military commander, Joab. And Solomon not only carries those out, those orders out, but he not only vies with his older brother Adonijah for power and for the throne, but when he gets it, he orders his brother's death. Yikes. So Solomon gets what he wants. Now he's king. Now he's in power. Now he's on the throne. And now he has to lead in uncertain and precarious times. And he needed the same thing then that I need today in the times in which we live, that you need in the times in which we live, and that's wisdom. Wisdom. And Solomon asked for a discerning heart of wisdom that he might lead the people with justice. This is very admirable. This was a good thing to ask for. And spiritually speaking, wisdom is the ability, if you want a simple definition, wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. Wisdom is skill in the art of living with each aspect of your life under God's guidance and direction. And when God gives you wisdom, you're to use it. Put it another way, when God gives it, you live it. It's kind of a simple way to remember it. When God gives it, you live it. Solomon was given a wise and a discerning heart, and he tends to be remembered positively by people who have some biblical knowledge and everything else. But frankly, he didn't live very wisely. I mean, this guy had so many wives, and almost every single one of his wives worshipped a different God. They didn't worship the God of Israel, and his heart was led astray. And this is a key factor that then leads to internal dissent that would result in splitting the country. And in addition, high taxes, huge debt, forced conscripted labor to work on royal building projects also led to domestic dissatisfaction. Meanwhile, the threat of attack from Egypt, the country to the south, was growing and it wasn't addressed well. So when God gives you wisdom... You have to live it. You have to heed it and follow it. And Solomon sadly did not. Now, ironically, the book of Proverbs that we've already heard from a couple times today, much of it is attributed to Solomon. And Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Solomon got into trouble when he began fearing more what his wives thought and what they would have to say than he feared pleasing the Lord. And he neglected what God had told him. Here's a few Proverbs put together that form a warning and a word about wisdom. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But wisdom is with the humble. Wisdom is with those who take advice Wisdom is a fountain of life to one who has it. To get wisdom, listen to this phrase, is to love oneself. 
I love that. To get wisdom is to love oneself. Why? Because it's for your benefit. To keep understanding is to prosper. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, you will find a future and your hope will not be cut off. God gives through his word and through his spirit wisdom, guidance, and direction about how to live. But it's up to you to apply it and to do it and to live it. Jesus' life was marked by many things, and one of them is wisdom. Joe alluded to this earlier. People were drawn to Jesus in part because he was so wise. We learn in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40 and verse 52 that when he was a boy, he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in divine and human favor. Jesus was filled with and increased in wisdom. He read and learned the scriptures. He lived wisely. Jesus criticized the people of his time, pointing out how they, people came from all over to hear the wisdom of Solomon, but now something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is the wise and faithful king, the one whom the prophet Isaiah had foretold would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. As eager as Solomon was to have power, he felt overwhelmed by the responsibility of being king. And you may also feel overwhelmed at times that you don't have the wisdom you need or that you don't have the ability to follow through and to do what you know is right. What can you do about that if that's how you're feeling? Well, James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, first of all, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. God is happy to help us live lives marked by wisdom, love, and justice, and part of it starts simply by asking. I asked in the beginning how you can tell when your life or someone else's life is marked by the wisdom of God or not. And James in chapter 3 and verses 14 to 18 gives us a very clear way to distinguish the presence or the absence of wisdom from above. Listen to how James describes the two. He says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality and hypocrisy. Can you hear that contrast? And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. So in those verses, James gives us two very different pictures and tells us one reflects wisdom, one does not. 
Wisdom is about making good choices about who or what you worship or follow or listen to, what you do with your life as a whole, what you do in countless situations day by day, what you look at, what you dwell on, how you use your energy and time and what your priorities will be in life. Where you struggle and need wisdom, ask God for help. In Matthew's story about the birth of Jesus, what kind of people come looking for the baby? Wise men, right? Wise people are still seeking Jesus because we see something in his life that we want for our own. And I think sometimes in stressing the divinity of Christ, we miss the truth that Jesus was appealing to people in part because he was so wise. He was so skilled in living with every aspect of his life under God's guidance and direction. Jesus sought God's wisdom constantly, and what God gave, Jesus lived and shared with others. For much of the first two years I was at Colby College, I ran at 6 a.m. every morning with my friend Hall Adams, who was in the United States Marine Corps officer training program. And when he was a senior and I was a sophomore, he was two years ahead of me, he was the head resident of a large dorm, and I was one of his resident assistants. And he gave me a copy of a picture for my dorm room. And the image was of John Wayne as Sergeant John Stryker in the movie The Sands of Iwo Jima, a World War II era film about the United States Marines. And next to the image of John Wayne was the quote from the film, life is tough. It's tougher if you're stupid. I don't mean to be ungracious or unkind in saying that, but it's true. And Hall's purpose in having this on our doors was to send a message to our fellow students in our dorm to be smart and not to make stupid choices that would be harmful or detrimental to them. Because bad choices, stupid choices, They make life tougher on ourselves, and it makes life tougher on those around us as well. Life is harder when we make stupid, foolish choices rather than wise, godly ones. That may not be the most graceful thing to say, but it's also a fact. The progress of your life is shaped significantly by the choices you make every day. Will I do my homework or not? Will I exercise or not? Will I read the Bible or something instructive that will help me grow or not? Will I eat this or that? Will I watch this or that? Life demands that we make many, many choices every single day. And every single choice you make, every single choice you make is shaping who you are and who you are becoming. Each choice makes you better or it makes you worse. It makes you more like Jesus or less like him. Wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life. 
And when God gives it, you and I need to live it. Learn the lesson that Solomon didn't. When you fail to live wisely, the consequences are painful. And the more responsibility a person has, the more people are impacted by your wise or your foolish living. The higher the stakes in the choices you make, the greater the level of one's leadership, the wider and the deeper the impact of our choices. Solomon's decisions would have dire consequences for God's people for generations, generations to come. So not only your own life, but your family, your friends, your church, your community, the cause of Christ, the greater good in the world are all impacted positively or negatively by the choices you make every single day. Do you remember how Jesus concluded his Sermon on the Mount? Jesus wraps up those chapters in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 by basically telling everyone who's listening to him on that hillside, if you listen to what I've said and do it, you will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And if you've heard everything I've said, and you walk away and go eat fish and just go about your life and don't do any of it, you're a fool, like a person who built his house on sand. Paul sums up Jesus in one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, by describing him as Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. We're wise if we learn from Him. Please join me in prayer. Give us, O Lord, steadfast hearts which no unworthy thought can drag downwards, unconquered hearts which no tribulation can wear out, upright hearts which no unworthy purpose may tempt aside. Bestow upon us also, O Lord God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.